Fed Day came and Fed Day went. Tapering was announced too, but with little fanfare. So what does that mean? Here's what matters. Live from our respective coronavirus social distancing outposts, which for me is no longer so distant, I'm in the office. I'm Lauren Goodwin. And for me, I'm still at home. I'm Robert Sarenbet. And this is Market Matters from New York Life Investments. In this podcast, we, the strategists at New York Life Investments, will share insights from the multi-asset solutions team. What we think matters as we manage investment solutions. That includes Mainstay's diversified portfolio series, including the Income Builder Fund, as well as bespoke solutions for our partners. By sharing perspectives and engaging with you, our listeners, we can all become better investors. Welcome, everybody. It's the week of November 8th, 2021. And as I said in the intro, it's the week after Fed Week. Fed Day came, Fed Day went, and here we are, still standing. What Miss Goodwin is droning on about is the fact that the Fed finally made the announcement to taper its asset purchase program. It did. And the last time the Fed did that, U.S. interest rates rose, energy prices plummeted, and the global economy went to a tizzy. And economist investors have been talking about that since then until, well, literally today. And this time with the tapering announcement, it was a total non-event. Well, I didn't mean to joke and say you're droning because it is still one of those more important conversations among investors. But you're right. This announcement came and went with little fanfare. Just to back up a second and describe holistically what happened Last Wednesday, the Fed announced that it would purchase fewer treasury and mortgage-backed securities in the coming months than it has been since its pandemic program began. Tapering will start later this month with a reduction in purchases of about $15 billion per month. That's about $10 billion treasuries, $5 billion in mortgage-backed securities. And that pace, that reduction of $15 billion per month, will continue in December and then in later months too, unless they decide to change the pace of tapering, although we think the bar for that change is likely to be high. So all that together means that the Fed will no longer be making new purchases of assets as of about mid-next year, call it June. These Federal Reserve purchases that you're describing... They are important for markets and investors. They provide an important support because it's a support of liquidity for markets. And liquidity is important for the markets because, first of all, it helps keep markets functioning smoothly, but also provides ammunition for risk asset prices to move higher. And removing that liquidity increases the risk of markets functioning not so well. And that's why investors have been keeping such a close eye on the Fed, its asset purchases, and this taper announcement. But an important thing to keep in mind about the taper is that the Fed is still purchasing a record number of securities for the next several months. In other words, they're still adding liquidity. Liquidity is still very high in the market. That's right. So at least for now, liquidity isn't an obvious market risk. Trying to put a timeline on the real risk here, if the Fed starts tapering its purchases now and it ends around mid next year, that's about eight or nine months. And what we know from previous experience is that the eight or nine months leading up to a a Fed hike, the first Fed rate hike in a cycle, tend to be reasonably good eight or nine months for equities and credit. But that's what the markets are now focusing on. Is eight or nine months about the time that the Fed will start to raise rates? Market says yes, but the Fed is saying that we don't have to worry too much. 
And in our view, this ample liquidity and, of course, the fundamental backdrop of a strengthening economic environment and rising corporate profits mean that equity markets, risk assets in particular, can rally into year end. But before we get to our market perspective, I want to highlight one itty-bitty market tension that's still lingering out there. Oh, a market tension? Yeah, and I was just sort of saying it earlier. It's just the market doesn't believe the part where the Fed says that we'll have eight or nine months of tapering, and then we don't really have to worry about interest rate hikes necessarily at that time because inflation is transitory and labor markets still have a long way to go. Uh, I see. So looking at market pricing up on the screen here, I see that there's one rate hike in June, another one later in 2022, and then four rate hikes in 2023 priced in by the market. And so you're saying that that suggests that the market consensus points to tapering the reduction of asset purchases moving a little bit faster. That's the idea. Mm, Got it. So who do you think is right then? Is it the markets or is it the Federal Reserve? Well, you'd like to think that the Fed is right about the Fed's policy, but to be honest with you, it it may not matter much who's right, at least in terms of what it means for asset allocation, because the reality is the uncertainty here in this waiting period between now and next June is going to be uncomfortable for investors. It's time for our portfolio pause, a segment of the program where we share an investment idea And I want to dig into what you just said there, LG. Waiting out the Fed taper is going to be uncomfortable for investors. That's right. While we believe liquidity isn't a current market risk, we expect that it could become one in the first half of 2022. And that means investors should benefit from focusing on interest rate sensitivity for one and manager flexibility for two. With respect to that first one, interest rate sensitivity, all we mean here is that uncertainty around rates may mean that investors want to build some wiggle room into their portfolios. So... Fixed income first, that's the easier one. That can mean that shorter duration securities, those that mature faster than longer duration securities, will be less sensitive to rising interest rates in a portfolio context. And floating rate securities, another area of the market that we like right now, can benefit from rising rates because their coupon payments are tied to a indicator that rises and falls along with the market. Very good points. And these takeaways related to interest rate sensitivity can also be leveraged in equities because some equities are more sensitive to interest rate changes than others. Typically, just as an example, growth equities, cash flows, tend to benefit from a lower discount rate. So if that discount rate increases, then they might be more sensitive to that change. Yes. And duration isn't the only thing that drives securities. You also have credit risk and equity risk, and that's where the fundamental backdrop comes in for markets. We think that that remains appropriate for what we just talked about. But we also can't forget that we're giving a multi-asset perspective here. And so I want to think about that second item you mentioned, which was manager flexibility. And that's the idea that the market could change its mind about inflation or the Fed expectation at any time. Yeah, and so far, based on market pricing, it looks like markets expect, even though we might have some inflationary pressures or interest rate pressures in the near term, they aren't likely to last in the long term. And that could change at any moment, like you say. And so it might be wishful thinking that we would see a slow and steady increase in interest rates as inflation or as Fed policy changes. 
Instead, it's completely possible that those changes or interest rate increases could happen quickly and disruptively. It's already happened a couple of times this year. Exactly. No one really knows how everything is going to unfold. We don't have a crystal ball, so it may make sense to work with managers that have these broad mandates that can take advantage of changes in rate levels or curvature or individual business opportunities as those changes arise. Coming up next, with all that talk of inflation and interest rates, we're going to get fresh information about it, at least on the inflation side. Inflation data will be released on Wednesday, and we'll be looking not only for the level of inflation, because higher inflation in our view means higher risk of markets getting more worried about the whole Fed might raise rates sooner thing, but also where that inflation is coming from. Mm -hmm. For most of the year, inflationary pressures have come from supply chain sensitive or reopening sensitive areas. In September, though, we started to see some evidence of inflation in other areas like rents and housing. If that's confirmed this week, then I think more economists and investors will start to get concerned that inflation could be here to stay. Even more than it already is? <laughs> All right. On my list, we're finishing up the earnings season, basically. We've already had almost 90% of S&P 500 companies report their actual results so far. 81% of companies have reported positive EPS surprise, and 75% of those companies have reported positive revenue surprises. The earnings growth rate looks great for the S&P 500. Earnings are up almost 40%. That's the third highest year-over-year -year earnings growth rate reported by the index since 2010, according to FactSet. So great environment for earnings. I think moving forward, what we're looking at is just an environment where companies are going to continue to under-promise and over-deliver, something we're used to in the corporate reporting environment. And that means that companies are increasingly facing more and more headwinds to their fundamental backdrop. And so they'll be guiding analysts lower and hoping that they can outperform those expectations. That's it for today. We'll be back next week for more Market Matters. Let us know what matters to you. Yes, if you have a question or topic of interest, reach out to us on social media. That's right. You can send us your questions or highlight what matters to you by finding us on LinkedIn. You can also follow our views on our website. That's newyorklifeinvestments.com and click the Insights tab. Until then, I'm Robert Sarenbetz. And I'm Lauren Goodwin. See you next time. Our podcast is produced by Milo Benamonts, and our music was composed by the fabulous Zach Young. I'll now read our disclosures from compliance. For more information about mainstay funds, call 1-800-624-6782 for a prospectus or summary prospectus. Investors are asked to consider the investment objectives, risks, and charges and expenses of the investment carefully before investing. The prospectus or summary prospectus contains this and other information about the investment company. Please read the prospectus or summary prospectus carefully before investing. There's no assurance that the investment objectives will be met. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, which will vary. All investments are subject to market risk and will fluctuate in value. This material represents an assessment of the market environment as of a specific date. It is subject to change and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding the funds or any issuer or security in particular. The strategies discussed are strictly for illustrative and educational purposes and are not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or to adopt any investment strategy. There is no guarantee that any strategies discussed will be effective. 
This material contains general information only and does not take into account an individual's financial circumstances. This information should not be relied upon as a primary basis for an investment decision. Rather, an assessment should be made as to whether the information is appropriate in individual circumstances, and consideration should be given to talking to a financial advisor before making an investment decision. New York Life Investments is both a service mark and the common trade name of certain investment advisors affiliated with the New York Life Insurance Company. The mainstay funds are managed by New York Life Investment Management, LLC, and distributed by NY Life Distributors, LLC, 30 Hudson Street, Jersey City, New Jersey, 07302, a wholly owned subsidiary of New York Life Insurance Company. NY Life Distributors, LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.